is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, before we jump into this episode, uh, Dan and I just want to jump on and say uh, our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine. Uh, they've been, you heard, we made a donation to the Red Cross over in Ukraine uh, for the proceeds of the Carabao Cup uh, final match. Uh, we're looking to continue to do more of that, um, but we can't not acknowledge that Roman Abramovich came out and said Chelsea Football Club is for sale. But, Dan, we're not going to touch on that really at all in this episode, are we? Yeah, I, I think the the thing that we've talked about today, we, we did host a couple of Twitter spaces, and uh, those are available on our Twitter profile. You can go back and listen to them. We recorded them, so they're there in posterity. But uh, just in general, uh, we've got Matt Law coming on. By the time you listen to this, Matt Law's episode uh, profiling everything that's happened and transpired from the initial announcement on Friday, Saturday at the end of last week up until now, knowing that the club is up for sale. Uh, we're going to dive into all that with him and get some of the nitty-gritty specifics. I, I think the thing... The biggest kind of note takeaway is if you haven't read the message yet, uh, Roman obviously writing off 1.5 billion pounds of debt owed to him uh, for kind of investment into Chelsea. The net proceeds of the sale will be donated to individuals impacted by the war in the Ukraine. And we're going to get that update from Matt with the research he's been doing, with the people he's been talking to, that's just a little bit more formed, a little bit more flushed out. Uh, because, Brandon, we just want to make sure, with given everything that's going on, we just always want to be right and accurate as best as we can uh, and not kind of rush to first. And really, again, redirect the focus back to helping people where we can with the platform that we have. Exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of you know, especially on the Super League, like we're not first to publish our content. We like to take our time, get some more information and hopefully come with a, a, a better understanding and a deeper discussion uh, rather than surface level. So um, in the moment, again, follow us on Twitter uh, for the spaces. We're doing more in real time stuff there, more in-depth uh, specific pod content, but we can't rush on this Roman news. It is massive. We're going to take the time and do multiple episodes about it so don't worry a lot of content coming pretty much every single day uh until we kind of get to the other side of it so uh lastly we just like to say we're going to continue our donations uh to the ukrainian red cross we're going to look at world central kitchen um above and beyond what we've done with that first one so um we'll continue to update you guys on what you're doing uh we would encourage you if you are able to support uh this 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 um invasion financially there's there's human lives at stake that are um, being affected and, and they need our help if you can. So we're going to continue to put our money, uh, into that lane. We'd love to get help. So, uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and head into the episode. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is blue podcast. As always your host, Brandon, Joe, my host, Dan, no, Nick, he is off jet setting for a nice long weekend away. What Vacation. timing on his part? Vacation. <laughs> he perfectly planned it. Oh my gosh. Has, has anyone planned a vacation better than Nick Verlani. No, I, 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 I submit the fact that no, no one has done it better than he has in this moment. Yeah, as we're sitting here, uh, uh, round the clock news, every hour something breaking. So uh, anyways, we brought Dennis in, Mr. Couch Critic himself to uh, talk about Luton Town, which might surprise you. But look, we got to do the business. Chelsea played. We got to review it. Uh, more information to come. But Dennis, welcome back. Thanks for having me back again, fellas. Uh, Nick, I envy you, man. I wish I was on vacation myself right now. Believe me. Too much going on. Too much going on right now. But let's get into it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, all right. So what we're going to be talking about today, obviously, is uh, 
the Luton Town match review in the FA Cup. So uh, we'll be covering Sal Good, Ruben, question mark, strikers actually scoring a special shout out for the Cobham crew. That is right. So before we do, we always want to get a temp check of how everybody out there is doing. And we do that, Dan, by our patented three-word match review. How are the people doing today? Well, uh, no surprise. People are all over the spectrum when it comes to the emotional feels regarding the match and everything else surrounding it. Earl's Court leading us off with a Anchorman gif and a never in doubt question mark. We had John with I'm a Luton free. Ben with the loot tons of fun. Nomad with the Tuchel takes chances. Grant with the hi Ruben Loftus cheek. You had Craig with the Werner onside goal. Clip show with the uh, interregnum Chelsea survive. You had Tana with the ending of an era. Lewis, our friend Louis B, with the mind was elsewhere, which I think is uh, how a lot of people felt. RJ with the overcoming overt obstacles. And just because it happened to be one of the suitors announced in connection with the club, first under McGregor. I doubt Conor McGregor actually oh, was the club, but. Uh, boo. No. Like, I, I, you know, I thought about this actually. Like, to be fair. I'm not here to prejudge anyone. Like, it would be our luck that McGregor somehow gets an ownership group together and, like, kills it. But my first instinct says, nah, probably not, because his damn whiskey would be our new shirt sponsor, and we'd just be, like, (laughs) the opposite of, like, Eddie Hot Airways. So, anyways, let's not go there. Uh, Dennis, what about you? Your three-word match review. A match played? (laughs) (laughs) Simple as that. Not wrong. <laughs> a match was played. Yeah. So I, I just basically, I, I can't take my my thoughts away from what's happened today, but uh, I'm going to try, guys. But a match played is my three word match with you. Uh, Dan, what about you? Another average day. I mean, this is life at Chelsea. You chose, you were inherited, you were birthed into supporting Chelsea, and you get the absolute maximum chaos. Occasionally, and uh, you got chaos and a match in the same day. So, uh, look, just par for the course. Uh, mine is quick look, Spurs. <laughs> Don't look at us. Spurs lost. Middlesbrough. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, a little distraction technique might the, do so. The level of the Tottenham. I love it. The a level of the good. Tottenham. Uh, Dan, real quick, have some Apple podcast reviews and some updates on Spotify reviews. Well, look, TFLOCK94 dropping a wonderful five-star review in Apple Podcasts. You haven't done that yet or haven't borrowed a friend's or maybe you're back in the workplace now and you've got work colleagues where you can encourage them to leave a five-star review. Go do that. That's great. It helps people find the show. And then on uh, Spotify, up to 744 five-star reviews dominating, dominating Chelsea Podcasts in a total review amount. So uh, keep on doing that. That's great things. We really appreciate it. Even if you don't use one or the other, you don't like other platforms, just drop a five-star review. It's great. We appreciate it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, all right, let's jump into the match details here. It was Luton Town in this past Wednesday, the 2nd of March. Uh, it was the FA Cup at Kenilworth Road. In case you missed it, scoreline Luton Town 2, Chelsea 3. That's right. Goals coming from Reese Burke in the second minute, Saul in the 27th, Harry Cornick in the 40th, Timo Werner in the 68th, and Romelu Lukaku. Uh, undoubtedly in the 78th minute. So we're going to maybe pitch to the fifth stand highlights. We're still not really sure what they do or don't do on, on FA Cup matches. But if we do, thank you to them for letting us use their official Chelsea FC highlights. It comes from the only app provided to you by the club, the fifth stand app. So thank you to Chelsea again. And here we go. There's no highlights. All right. Goals, goals, goals. Love to see it. Lineup, Dan. What 
in the world was going on? I mean, Tuchel having a bit of a of an off day with this lineup. Well, assuming that phrase is an off day, let's add the context of we played 120 minutes and went to penalties against Liverpool in the League Cup final and lost. Um, we had plenty of people leave that game either injured or exhausted. And so just the recovery time window is not strong enough for a couple of our players. So in light of all of that, Thomas Tuchel dropping some crazy moves with Keparifa Blaga in between the sticks. Antonio Rudiger continues to play every single minute and every single match that Thomas Tuchel has. He is the absolute Iron Man of this team. Next to Ruben oh, Loftus-Cheek. Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a center back. Saar next to him as well. And then you had Callum hudson Adoy and Kennedy. That's right. Kennedy coming back in as a deep cut for the lineup. With Saul and Jorginho in the midfield. And then Mason Mount, Lukaku, and Werner as your attacking three. Unused subs were N'Golo Kante, Kovacic, Mendy, Barkley, Williams, and Hall. But you did see Christian Pulisic, Reese James, and Harvey Vale. That's right. Harvey Vale getting some minutes in this match. Look, we can laugh about it, but like I was genuinely excited for Kennedy. I want to see what the dude had. We've seen some flashes of him in the past. We know that we need left back, left wing back depth. Uh, you know, he's like a younger, faster Alonzo with a deadly left foot. A couple more tattoos than Marcos, but other than that, practically the same player. So uh, it was interesting to see him. Some of the top line stats, though, before we get into that, is that, uh, well, we scored three goals there, too. XG 2.3 to 0.6. Uh, pretty imbalanced there. We had 17 shots, nine on target, which is a great day out. To so there's five shots with three on target. We had 75% possession. Uh, again, Dennis, uh, as you see the XG chart goes, you know, Chelsea down 2-1.5. Uh, pretty much ever since that, Chelsea with enough chances to take us up and above. Once we got to 2-2, I felt confident we were going to get the W. What about you? How did you kind of take in the uh, being down one nothing? tying it being down 2-1 halftime much confidence at that point yeah i mean it was just resilience that we were relying on that wasn't really so much a tactical brilliant performance but like we were resilient we had better players on the pitch than luton town and you know they came to the fore when we needed the most um but in general i just think that our overall play and our, our build-up and everything that comes with it as much as we had like what was it 76 percent procession um, we didn't really use it very effectively as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, that's, that just comes down to unfamiliarity in, of, in terms of, like, players on the pitch, you know, and obviously, you know, who knows where everyone's heads were. But, yeah, like, I, I was very confident. Um, I didn't expect to hear Lukaku and Timo Verno on the score and Solniguez on the score sheet. But, oh my gosh, what, what a day to have that happen. Yeah, I think that's a good point to touch on right there, Dennis. So the players, right, like heard the news, I don't know, probably before the rest of the world. Like I would imagine someone went into Tuchel and the team pre-match and just said, hey, like this is coming. Just want you guys to know before it hits the airwaves, like we still have a match to play. I need you to be professional. But like that had to mess with their heads a little bit and assume that that's why we had a slow start. I mean, we gave up a goal. Uh, in 102 seconds, at after Joe tweeting 142, Reese Burke's header out for Luton after 102 seconds is the quickest goal Chelsea have conceded in all competitions this season. Stunned, stunned by Roman, not Luton, is what I would say, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, that's a bombshell to have, you know, dropped on uh, a playing staff, you know, uh, you know, minutes before they're about to go out on the pitch 
to do their warm ups and stuff like that. And I'm sure it's not just it's not just with them. It's also with the the, the you know the coaching staff as well. Like what you know what kind of what kind of what kind of day are you having when you know day before you're hearing about a, a potential sale, then the next the next day on a match day uh, you have all sorts of injuries and whatnot, and then you come to the 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 you know you come to the uh the stadium and you're hearing this news of uh you know the, the club potentially being sold by roman and beyond that like I, I think when you when you look at um you know just the unfamiliarity of the lineup and whatnot and you know obviously these guys have been talking about it beforehand you know they have phones they have that and i think tuko mentioned that in the, the post match as well that you know there's no escaping it you know like as much as you try and make the environment around the club quiet how could you possibly endeavor that how can you possibly take that on knowing what's happening you know that's a very very difficult situation and again credit to him credit to the staff credit to the players uh that they were able to uh get the result given uh, the backdrop of what's happened today i think there's also the knock-on effect too of losing in penalties after going to extra time Good against point. Liverpool to on the backdrop of some pretty egregious officiating that I know you talked about in your video, we talked about in our post-match podcast. Like there's been a lot of unfortunate noise. There's been obviously on top of this, a war in the Ukraine right now. And like all of these other things that are really secondary or like, you know, third, fourth, 10 times removed in terms of overall importance that uh, it, these players don't just go into a box at the end of every match and are refreshed and come back out at the end of it. Like they are human beings as well. And we, uh, I think, sometimes forget or don't take that into consideration appropriately that like this match was a microcosm of everything that's happened over the last couple weeks and it's not just what's happened in the last day, last 24 hours, last 48 hours. There's a lot weighing on this team right now. And I think to your point, Dennis, like the, the credit to Tuchel, the credit to the staff, the credit to the players for, for showing up. Um, and, and some of them potentially who, like Rudiger, just continue to show up uh, with the highest level of consistency possible. Sign them up. Sign them up. <laughs> well, and lastly, all I'm going to say with this, right, is that um, – is that uh, – you know, a lot of these players lifted a very important trophy with Roman and probably had a banging party in Portugal with him. Mm. Uh, just lifted another very important trophy uh, in the in the United Arab Emirates uh, with the with the Club World Cup, um, the Super Cup. Like it has been a hell of a ride for Chelsea Football Club the last seven months or so as well, eight nine months. So like they have created very real bonds with the owner because of the silver they've been lifting. So again, uh, that's kind of the wrap on the impact of Roman news and the team. So, uh, no MPET shit house moment of match, no Nick. And honestly, nah, wasn't really anything there. And Joe tweets XB expected bodies. I mean, you know, I just, uh, nah, nah, not really. So we're going to take our ad break more back, uh, all about Sal good and Ruben. Uh, so until then, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We appreciate them. We'll be right back. Uh, right. Um, all I have to say is more pods. I, I think I honestly, we are day to day right now. Uh, all hands on deck. Dan jumped in, in the middle of his work day to do Twitter spaces. Don't tell us boss. Um, I sadly was unable to, we are like all of you taking this day to day, hour by hour. And, um, 
just trying to sort through the things so we can actually have something to say. So we're, as of right now, planning on talking to Matt Law. Um, it will come out as soon as humanly possible. We will not wait for Friday to publish it. It will go out immediately. You, you um, might be listening to this right now and be getting a push notification. Who you knows? want to check. Definitely go Who check. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, and then, you know, more stuff. Then we have a, a, a what they're trying to call it is a big brain pod on Friday. Uh, Chelsea, the next chapter, Dan and Joe. Let me see if I can sneak in on that and just kind of say, hey, wh- what do we think is next? Like, or at least what would the next chapter look like? So again, a lot of content coming around this. Like we, we're never the first to the podcast, but we hopefully are the best when it comes to at least taking our time and breaking down and thinking about it rather than just blurting a lot of stuff out. So hopefully that's I mean, cool. I mean, you got, you got Matt law who's right at the, you know, right at on the front lines of the conflicts right now. Like he, he will be able to answer a lot of questions and you always, whenever you hear Joe tweets, he's always got great insight on anything Chelsea related as far as the structure and whatnot. So yeah, it should be it should be a banger, and I'm I'm looking forward to all of that. So credit to you guys. I, I I appreciate the fact that you guys are keeping us informed every day, every day on top of the things. It's 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 yeoman work for sure. We we appreciate it, but uh, yeah, I, I think um, to kind of land on that, it's uh, it's always nice to bring on a guest who's so complimentary. Uh, you know, I mean, Nick <laughs> comes on and just on, tears us to shreds, but uh, <laughs> you know, we we got him out of here, and we can finally start to have say nice things about each other on the episodes. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the the performance on the pitch today. Uh, Dan with the cheeky little, uh, see what I did there. Uh, Clever here says, Saul good, Ruben. Saul good. Uh, Midfielders on display. So uh, these are the times we knew he was going to get minutes. Uh, He went out there, uh, had a very good performance. Uh, Jorginho able to get involved, uh, had his goal, could have had two Dennis on the day. Um, Midfield is always kind of a, How's it going to go? Kovacic having such a great display against Liverpool and Golikante kind of, you know, up and down a little bit as, as we know that he's managing his own fitness, probably, you know, dealing with way more pain than the average human being is seeing. So understandable that, you know, kind of his play adjusts. But uh, yeah, so he's got to be thinking about the end of his loan contract coming, how it's going, bagged his first goal for Chelsea. Um, what did you think of the guy today? Um. I mean, you can't say that he had a muted performance. The goal was fantastic, and he had another opportunity where he could have scored as well. I would say he was probably the most influential um, midfielder that we had on the pitch. And, you know, that's saying a lot when you have the likes of, you know, Jorginho. And say what you want about Jorginho. I think that, like, what we're seeing right now is he's being rotated in and out because of fatigue and also due to the fact that, you know, we got two other incredible midfielders in Kovacic and Kante. So... You know, you you can't expect him to be first choice every game, all games, when you have those two that can also give you incredible performances. But I really did think that Sal Niguez gave some good minutes today. Um, it's hard because, like, I think that when you think about midfield and, and, and uh, you know, the play of the midfield, you really need partnerships. And I just don't think that he – what we had on the pitch today did not allow for that to happen. Um, I felt like, you know, as much as – he was good. I don't know if him and Jorginho made a decent partnership in terms of how we controlled the game, how we build attacks and whatnot. So, you know, I'll give him credit because the goal was well taken as well. Uh, outside of the box, just banged it off the post and in. Like, this is kind of what we expected at the beginning of the season. Everyone was thinking, oh, well, you know, Saul Niguez, you know, he's going to be one of the 
the guys that we can rely on to provide, you know, some goals from the midfield. He's got an excellent shot on him. And today was a perfect example of what that, you know, what that looks like when he's, you know, finding his form and playing, you know, uh, playing the football that we need him to play. But um, outside of that, like, uh, outside of that, like, I still think that we need to see more from the, the partnership as far as, uh, as far as Chelsea goes in the midfield. Yeah. When we look at, Saul's contribution in this match, a lot of it came kind of pressing forward, crashing kind of into the the box or kind of fluttering around the box. And I feel like he was getting a little bit more of the freedom to release further forward. I think the the concern was uh, the size of the gap that a Saul and Jorginho partnership was producing that uh, was a little exposed in terms of a line that we were trying to carry. Um, when you look at, you know, SAR and kind of how, uh, you know, a midfield high line was probably not the right, uh, right strategy for this type of match. Um, you know, but I think this is good positive momentum, great minutes to see almost a brace, which is a, a nice kind of check as well. And look, the, the best thing that could happen in this moment is that he continues to have a bit of a run of form. So whomever we draw next in the cup or with some of the rotation we're going to need through the remainder of the season. I mean, as they kind of highlighted, Chelsea have played 44 games already this season. Like, I think Arsenal max is out at like 45 potentially. And like we still have like three months left of like tons of football to play. Like we're going to need everyone to contribute that is possibly available, Brandon. And so I think in this regard, that's the the biggest takeaway I have is that the goal was great. Um, the second shot could have been an opportunity as well. But in general, just seeing life from players, seeing players who haven't contributed maybe yet in a strong capacity level up their contribution, even against a championship side, it's just a good thing for Tuchel to be able to have and call upon as we head into the very, very tight end of the season here. Agreed. Um, I I was watching the highlights back. I think that the second shot he had actually have a lot of credit to the goalkeeper. Um, I mean, still took with his left, went to put a little bit of bend on it, went near post. Uh, the guy just got a touch on it. So, um, you know, he, he made the keeper make a save and it still almost went in. But, you know, I think... Again, this is he's just kind of slowly building. And if he were yeah. owned by Chelsea and he was here for a couple of years, he'd probably turn into a pretty good midfielder. Um, we saw that happen with Kovacic, right? He came on loan. We bought him kind of out of necessity because the transfer ban. Three years later, he's one player of the season and is contending for that again in a successful year this season when he's had injuries. So, um, you know, I try not to write players off too quickly on that sense, you know, and I think being a lone player versus, you know, having a fully signed contract, you probably feel a little bit different at the club too. You're always kind of second guessing things. And especially with management, they probably going, well, do we keep playing so or do we maybe try to give minutes to someone else? So, uh, you know, it, it's good for him to continue to be trusted by Tuchel. I mean, he's made quite a few substitute appearances lately too, obviously coming in in the club world cup final and stuff like that. So, um, it's just, Again, loot in town, but he has to go out and play who's in front of him, and, and he was looking sharp. You know, he was active. He was involved, which is what you want to see uh, anytime someone comes in, especially low on minutes. Uh, yeah, you Ruben. touched on some good yeah, – sorry, go I, I was just going to say you touched on some good points, and I think that one of the things that we uh, – that I kind of ignored it when in my you know, synopsis was the fact that he's growing in to his role now. Like, you're starting to see – even though he's not playing, you know, right from the start in the Premier League, when he comes onto the pitch right now, it's not just 
an abomination like it was, you know, at the beginning of the season. So I think that, as you said, like, yes, he he's he's starting to come come around right now. And it's, you know, who knows? Who knows what, what the, the next few games, if he can use this game as another building block to kick on again, it could lead to better things in the future as well. Yeah, especially with um, a bit of a an easier run of fixtures in the Premier League, knock on wood, not saying they're going to be guaranteed points, but, you know, you're playing bottom to middle, middle of the table teams for the next six, seven matches. So, um, yeah. Ruben, Mr. Ruben, uh, sweeper Ruben to us today. Simon Johnson with a, a great quote here from Ruben. He's saying he told the fifth stand app that the last time he played at the back, he was 12 or 13 and didn't like it. Played a key role in Chelsea's comeback <laughs> against Luton tonight. Um, I feel like Ollie kind of predicted this on a lineup predictor. I need to know who he's talking to before matches. Um, but you know, you, you Christensen out, Silva needs a rest, Rudiger on the right, Saar on the left, Ruben. Yeah, why not? But if you think about it, Dan, hear me out. All right, Dan, hear me out. Tiago Silva and Christensen and David Luiz, when they played in that role, whether it's under Conte or Tuchel, they are. like comfortable on the ball right they are possession oriented players Ruben's got good size so he can defend aerially and if the ball's at his feet he knows what he wants to do so and and it makes quite a bit of sense um that he'd be trusted to be back there especially when you kind of look at the options and I thought he held himself well I mean he's not used to running back towards a goalkeeper so there's a lot of like some awkward moments in there but overall uh, I mean, I thought he did well. I think the other thing to keep in mind, and like this unfortunately happens like when Alonzo plays as well, but like he's 6'4". Like he is also a big guy. And sometimes when he makes movements, they just look weird. But he's actually, again, he's highly athletic. He reads the game extremely well. And I think what you were looking for is someone who can also find the open channel and distribute a pass and what he was able to put on a plate for Timo Werner was incredible. Like that, you know, that was such a wonderful contribution from him. I think it was exciting to see him in that way. If you want to think about where this maybe gives you another option, as you think about the remainder of a long season is if Silva is healthy and you put Silva in front of there and you want to push maybe some attackers further forward. Do you add someone like a Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a a holding player, someone who's going to play maybe like centrally at the base of a midfield uh, three? And I think, Dennis, that's where I'm probably excited is I think you get a chance to see a a different opportunity for him to get deployed and continue to have uh, value to Tuchel, value to the side. Obviously, it's not the same as like when we have seen him, you know, when we saw him under Sarri and he was kind of making those runs forward. It was basically like a second striker. I think we're overloaded a little bit on attack. So if he can find a path forward in a more defensive minded role for the team, that might unlock not something for him just now, but something for him into the, the coming seasons and years as well. Yeah, I think what we saw today was, uh, you know, uh, the second Cobham kid who's a midfielder play in the center back position uh, after Lewis Baker, obviously. Right. And guys, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't like it. Uh, I, I, I'm a firm believer. Like, let's just be real here. Like instincts on the pitch are so important that you rely on your instincts more often than not. Right. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is not a center back. He doesn't think the game of the center back. Like when you have to make these quick decisions on the ball, he's going to think about it as a midfielder, that's, that's his natural position. That's how he thinks the game and whatnot. So 
I, I don't like playing players out of position at all, to be honest with you. I, I understand that there is something that can be learned when you're playing in a different role. And, you know, you can certainly pick up, you know, what it means to be in those positions. So if he plays in the holding six, he knows now uh, what it means to be exposed now. Like, so I get that stuff. But in general, especially for somebody like Ruben, who's just such a Rolls Royce on the ball and whatnot, you want to see him in his preferred role. Like, I think that, like, even the game that we saw him, uh, what was it, the last game we played, um, I think he came on and gave us some really, really, really good, it was Liverpool, yeah, so did he play Liverpool? No, it was the game before that, I think. Can't remember, but he came on in uh, one of our last games and gave us some really good minutes off of the bench, really controlled the game and whatnot, and, you know, those are the roles I want to see him in. Like, for me, if you're going to play a cup game and you're forced to play Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the center of defense, you might as well just give that position to, a, you know, an academy kid, you know, a kid that is trying to learn that craft anyways. And, you know, we are naturally trying to, you know, graduate these kids into these roles anyhow. Like playing Ruben there for me was just, I don't know, I, I didn't like it. And he didn't really um, excel until he was moved into the midfield again anyways. When we changed the shape and he was moved into the midfield. If anything, what this showed me was it was an audition for what, we could look like if we got somebody like Declan Rice. If somebody like Declan Rice came in, who can obviously defend and obviously be a holding six and whatnot, uh, libero, however you want to look at it, that would be where I would see something like that happen. But I mean, Ruben does not have the, the, the highest defensive acumen. Obviously, we had 76% possession. He wasn't really asked to do a lot of defending. But, you know, when he was called upon to do so, like, the, you know, he just he's not switched on. He doesn't think the game like that. So, you know, I, I didn't like it, but uh, I'm glad to see these getting minutes and I, I want to see him more in his preferred role. That's, that's basically it for me. Probably you and him both, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So next up is strikers actually scoring. I mean, that's right. You know, we, our strikers scored goals, which, which is great. Uh, starting Ooh. the match, uh, Lukaku up top, which I think, uh, actually, quite a few people predicted, uh, just from a minute standpoint. Obviously, he didn't start against Liverpool in the cup final. Uh, Mount getting another run out, uh, and then Timo jumping in, which is, you know, probably a good thing for him, especially against lower opposition. Uh, Tuchel's comments, Timo played very well. I'm happy for that. <laughs> very state of <laughs> matter of fact there. Thanks, Thomas. And Romelo got his goal. That is why we left him on the pitch. <laughs> Really? <laughs> That's all you got for us? Um, he continues on and, <laughs> and says, these matches are, at the moment, the most important matches for them, even if they think they should have played this match or, th or that match. We want them to play with full focus and take this seriously because this is where you grow in confidence, where you can get your confidence. Uh, on the other hand, this is why they are here in cup matches like this when it's hard to show permanently uh, that you're the better team or that you're all your qualities you need to show in the little moments. And uh, that's kind of what we got here, Dan, right? So, um, so obviously in the opener, but then like I said, Luca, uh, Timo getting the second, which was a uh, great first touch out of the air. We've seen his first touch uh, let him down uh, a lot, unfortunately, this season. Uh, ironically, his second touch was not great. It set up so for the assist. <laughs> <laughs> this time, a uh, great touch out of the air and then a nice calm finish to the far post. It was something that we haven't seen nearly as much as we would have liked to with Timo. Well, it, it definitely was impacted by the fact that you had a team that was 
willing to attempt to play football at times. Now, again, like the possession stats overall, 75-25, Chelsea to Luton Town. But there were times where they were pressing high. There were times where they were trying to go two-on-one in locations. And so that gave us some opportunity to let Tebow run, to let Lukaku run, to try passes over the top or to, uh, you know, I think um, – once we brought on, uh, you know, Reese and, and Harvey in particular, like they were getting down the flanks. We were seeing good interchanges, particularly on the right hand side. And we were able to start crossing in. We were able to start making it difficult again. At that point, they had already replaced goalkeepers as well. So like you want to test, you want to kind of challenge, you want to make sure that you have the opportunity to really see what your striker is capable of. And, you know, I think even if, like the first assist was a little bit of a, a miscontrol into the path of Saul. Um, you know, Timo walks away with positive momentum. Lukaku walks away with positive momentum. And, you know, I, I think it's easy to pick apart the performances, Dennis, but like if they're scoring and they're assisting and they're making goal contributions and Chelsea win, even if the performance wasn't perfect, even if there's plenty to point at and say, this could have been better, this could have been better, that's all I need right now. All I need is scores and assists from our strikers. And it feels like we're in the bizarro world, though, man. Saul, Niguez, Lukaku, <laughs> and Werner on the score sheet at the same time. It's, it's crazy, right? But no, I, I echo your sentiments. Like, when you got strikers that are scoring goals and assisting and then being threatening in the final third, that's that's all you can really ask for, you know? I mean, Lukaku had a couple of chances himself, uh, a couple of decent strikes that, you know, a keeper saved or, you know, it was just well blocked or whatnot, but like he's getting into good positions. And I think this was just like a kick on from the Liverpool game, to be honest, because I, I thought that both those guys, when they came on, had an impact as well. Um, obviously didn't score, which is what we want to see our strikers do. But I really do think that they were impactful when they came on, made some decent runs. And, you know, this, this was just a, a building on that. And this is exactly what you want, exactly what you want at this time of year. This is the business end of the season. You know, you want to see good performances from your your big players and whatnot, big performances from your big players. And, you know, obviously Luton Town is not necessarily Liverpool, but it is a cup. Is it a cup game? It's still a cup, you know, and you want to advance lots of turmoil, lots of lots of things to think about in the background drop of this game as well. And, you know, I was very excited to see Lukaku get the winner because I thought that he should have had the winner against Liverpool and was he, he, he wrong. did. Uh- yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, to 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 kick on again and score again, uh, regardless of what the AR thinks, is only a good thing for him to build confidence and, you know, repair his uh, his um, his uh, his standing with the club right now. And, you know, the emotion that he showed after that goal was also good to see as well. You saw him and I don't know if you guys saw that there's a gif right now that's going around with him and Mason Mount like almost doing like a synchronized fist pump and come on at the same time. It was quite interesting and, and good to see. So, you know, a guy that is obviously endeared to the club at Mason and another guy that's, you know, still trying to build back, uh, build back that sort of, that sort of, um, that sort of respect and whatnot. But yeah, it was great to see. And again, this is just building on confidence. If they can continually build on confidence, strikers scoring goals will only uh, be a good thing going forward. Um, I, I don't care who is in the competition, who they play. If you're scoring goals, it's going to be a good feeling. Um, so, yeah, that's how I felt about it. And long may continue. I, I mean, I wouldn't probably start these guys on the weekend. I still think that we have to go back to Kai Havertz and maybe Pulisic in a more preferred role, maybe even Ziyech and whatnot. But, again, if they can come off the bench and give you impact 
similar to what they've done against Liverpool and like likewise what they did against uh, you know Luton in the in the cup today. We're laughing going to the, the, the home stretch of the season. I I really do believe that. Tell you what, we didn't lose. Look at Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get it one more time. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, yeah. So uh, breaking down, um, you know, with Timo technically getting two assists, one and a half. Yeah. Anyways, good for him. Uh, 90 minutes played, one goal, two assists, 46 touches, two big chances created with 76% passing percentage. Um, Timo Werner versus Luton Town. So obviously a good day for him. It Again, like everything's thrown up in the air, but it's looking pretty likely like he's going to be the odd man out this summer, especially as Chelsea look to refresh some positions. Um, no offense, but like I know you're talking about strikers and being, you know, confidence position. I, I get that. But I think they're also going to be like, mm, it was Luton Town. I do want to potentially open a wound a little bit and ask the question. The ESPN announcers, Taylor Twelman, uh, brought it up. I didn't think anything of it, but they're like, did anyone even celebrate with Timo on his goal? And I'm like, no, because I think everyone's... Timo in- went to the line person to check that it was onside. Oh, here, <laughs> but here's my thing. My thing is, I think they're so embarrassed that they're losing 2-1 to Luton that they're like, yeah, get the ball, let's go, we got to keep going. But I'll open it up. I mean, did, did, like, did anyone look at that and be like, oh my God, no one celebrated with him, no one hugged him, no one high-fived him. Is that a cause for concern anywhere in the squad? No, I don't think that anyone no. uh, celebrated with Sal Niguez either. He just went and grabbed the ball and went back on the line as well, right? You know, celebrations and whatnot, I, I get it. I, I understand how that is something that you could look to to discern whether or not there's a squad chemistry going on and whatnot. But there's a lot going on right now, guys. There's a lot going on. And it's, it's I think that there's less about, you know, squad building and chemistry and more about, like, just everything that's happening in and around the club right now that make it very hard to focus on, you know, you know, making this, you know, you're, you're focused on different things at this time. So yeah, squad building, maybe not quite there at this point in time, in my opinion. What do you think, Dan? You've got four matches between now and the international break. Well, I think five, um, I forgot that's coming. Burnley, (laughs) Norwich, you know, Newcastle, or Leo, uh, match against Leo. Like, you have plenty of time here for Timo Werner and Lukaku and Guy Havertz and Christian Pulisic, all of these players, to continue to find some form. You know, I think to the point you made earlier, like, expect rotation versus Burnley. Expect, you know, a more resolute side, as I like to call them, uh, if I'm going to be uh, more kind than I typically am to the Burnley side that I hoped was going to be relegated and somehow is finding their way out of the jaws of of defeat um but they you know they lost a lesser two nothing earlier in the week they had a one one draw against palace like they've you know had some great form regressing back a little bit again but like you have now three sides in the premier league that you should go and absolutely smash you should be smashing burnley smashing norwich smashing newcastle and scoring a boatload of goals like, so the confidence rebuilding should absolutely be here for any of those players. And I think, Brandon, the message is take what you did from Tuchel Hespi, take what you did tonight, and just pretend Burnley are Luton Town and go score again. Yeah, I mean, you sure hope so. I mean, it's, you know, we need to get the uh, the league campaign back on track as we, you know, obviously we'll talk about that stuff later. But, um, you know, from our perspective, the, the race is tight. You know, we have, thankfully, a game in hand behind Liverpool, but... 
We're at 50 points. They're at 60 points. Can we get to 53? Part of that is Burnley at the weekend. Liverpool are perfect five for five. We've only won two of our last five, drawing two and losing one. We need to turn that league form around, and Burnley's a hell of an opportunity to do that, and we'll need strikers to do that. The problem is Burnley sit with 10 behind the ball. What is that answer? Not my problem today. We'll deal with that later. So uh, lastly, just going to do a special shout-out for the Cobham crew. Two of the subs that came out today were from the Academy. Obviously, Reese James... It's almost hard to think of him as an academy guy anymore. He's such an established first-team pro, but those were his roots. Uh, and then, obviously, Harvey Vale, or Havery Vale, is uh, Dan is trying to trip me up <laughs> in the script, which I always, always Been appreciate. Uh, two wingbacks came into this one, Dennis. Uh, that's where Tuchel decided to change the game, um, even though I thought Kennedy had a pretty decent outing, but he felt like Harvey Vale should get a chance to go impact the game. I think Reese James definitely made an impact on the game offensively, uh, I would say. So what did you make of the two subs from the La Cabum? Yeah, uh, I, I really do think that Harvey Vale is a player. Uh, I, I think that he's going to have a bright future if he continues on this trajectory and you know, I'm I'm tired of talking about Reese James. This guy, he's incredible, man. Like, I can't speak and I can't say enough good things about this guy. He's the guy that I look to to be a future captain, uh, just because he's just ice. That guy's just ice. You know, every time he gets on the pitch, he gives you ice and you know, unflappable. Um, as far as the other couple kids, like I'm, you know, I get into these spaces sometimes on, on Twitter. We talk about like you know, Coffin kids and we talk about Callum Hudson Adoy. And I'm just like, I've been banging on about this forever. And I'm sure you guys would agree because it's the same thing with Pulisic as well. Like these players, sometimes like, you can't just beat a guy because he doesn't have versatility, you know, like Cal- Callum Hudson Adoy is not a wingback. He's an attacker. You know, he thinks the game is an attacker to play as a wingback requires you're focused defensively in transition and offensively. When he plays in his attacker, he's only really focused on that one area of the pitch. You know, so when you see him play against Luton and you don't see him take on guys and you don't see him like get into these spaces where he can really make a difference, it's because he's thinking about so many other aspects that he normally doesn't. He's not relying on his instincts and his natural ability when he's playing in this role. We see him return back to his natural position and we see a completely different player. The same thing can be said about Pulisic. The same thing can be said about Ziyech as well. You know, so I'm I'm just sick and tired of hearing people like beat these guys down because they're not versatile enough to play the roles that Tuchel assigns to them week after week. You know, give them a chance to find their football, especially when they're out of form and haven't played for a while. Find their form in the role that is preferred for them, first and foremost. When they find their football, then you can start moving them around and putting them in positions where they're a little bit less uncomfortable. Because first and foremost, you rely on your instincts. If your instincts aren't there and you're, you know, still trying to find your your form and it's going to be very hard to, you know, excel in any role. So I'm I'm just there. I, I don't know how you feel about it, Dan. I'm sure you're you're very much a you know a Cobham advocate as I've been uh, professing this entire year. So uh, yeah, what's your take on it? Really. I mean, uh- the preference is always like try to specialize. I mean, I think the the benefit of anybody who's grown up in Cobham is you typically start as far forward as possible and you work your way back until you find the right position. But most of these players get played across different sets of positions. And I know uh, Brandon has talked about this. I think ad nauseum with Phil and some of the episodes we've done on the academy. But like the ro- rotation is real, and I, I think. The challenge, the real world challenge has been the lack of fitness, lack of health. I mean, if you had, you know, 
Ben Chilwell still healthy this season? Like, how how quickly are we walking most of our competitions? Because we've got if if Reese had been healthy the full extent of the season, how much easier has our life been? Um, and Tuchel is trying to manufacture solutions. I think. Yes, I agree. It would be so awesome for Callum to play further forward and to, you know, connect with a striker. I mean, we saw him uh, a couple seasons ago with Giroud. Like, that was really nice to watch him. His crosses just go directly onto the forehead into the goal. Um, it'd be nice to see him try to do that with Lukaku as well. But it, it's just a, it's, it's a situation that is unfortunately impacted by getting to play too much, which is a byproduct of being a successful club, which means that it, it creates a bit of a operational issue to try to deploy all these players in the right position, Brandon. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's I, – I, I do wonder, and we should talk about this with Phil at more length, like how many people you know, are, are potentially negatively impacted from a player perspective because of how successful Chelsea is from like a minute availability and uh, the current season impact from like actual like player fitness. Oh, I mean, I, I think, gave I gave you homework. I, I gave you homework right now. That's what I did. Right, but I, we kind of have is is my point, right? Just in the sense of like, um, there was that one weekend where there's only one match that didn't have any academy uh, players from Chelsea in the Premier League, and that has nothing. Championship, League One, whatever. That's Premier League teams that have an academy graduate um, in in their ranks, which is wild to to think so uh, he will gladly talk to you about about that as well um so yeah great great impact subs as well again love to see chelsea academy um you know we're gonna get phil on to talk about what he thinks potential new ownership will have uh in terms of effects for the academy as well and kind of what he thinks you know as he looks out across the other clubs um you know i think he's pretty resolute that uh you know the the academy at chelsea you know, is number one by a long shot in the country, one of the best in Europe. And that's because even if they don't make it for Chelsea, most likely they made it as a full-fledged professional somewhere else. And, um, you know, obviously he's very proud of it as if they were one of his kids, which is why he's such a good, good expert on it. Um, Dan of the match, you, you did a poll. It was good. I did. As you, as you wrote, some solid performances and multiple goal scores make this a tough call. Let's see who you think deserves top honors four options wow that was uh quite the reading of it it's, uh the the facial animation that people missed uh during your reading uh, will go down in history um ruben loftus cheek lukaku Saul, and Werner were the uh the options look when you assist and score uh, a goal or you assist to score a goal and when you score a goal like i i, I feel bad i know there's probably others who could have been in here uh loftus cheek won 53 percent Timo Werner, 26%, Saul, 20%, uh, and then Lukaku with uh, 2%, which feels a little unfair. But I Dennis, mean, do, you take, do you take umbrage with this in any capacity? Did I miss someone? Uh, no, I think you nailed it, but I probably would have given it to Timo Werner, to be honest. You know, he's so influential in that final third, regardless of – you know, the fact that one assist was kind of a half assist, as Brandon alluded to earlier. But, you know, when you score and then you 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 put like one on a sixpence for for Lukaku to, to bury it and win the match, that's uh, man of the match for me right there, you know. But 
who am I? I'm only one voter. So <laughs> really, really good goal. Uh, really good cross. And it was the game winning assist as well. So, yeah. um, you know, for him and this is what Timo does, like he doesn't give up right from minute zero all the way to 90 plus stoppage. Like he's going to run, run, run. He ran the channels really well today. Luton gave him a lot of space to run and he took advantage of it. And, you know, credit to the midfield. We found him early in the channels, which surprise uh, Timo's good at. So uh, anyways, uh, some of the other results from around uh, this, I guess, round of fixtures. Man City squeaking by Peterborough, uh, 2-0. Crystal Palace beating Stoke City, 2-1. Middlesbrough beating Tottenham, 1-0. That's right. Wonderful. Uh, Chelsea beating a just top, top quality Luton Town, 3-2, without any distractions or issues whatsoever. Uh, Southampton beating West Ham, 3-1. Uh, Liverpool squeaking by North City, 2-1. And then there's still Everton versus Bournemouth, which is everyone's favorite team to pull through this round. And then Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield have to play yet. So uh, a couple more matches, but Chelsea uh, continue to advance and take cup competition seriously. Would love to, you know, add this. This is probably the last major honors barring the Champions League um, that we have. So, you know, let's take it serious. Chelsea loved the FA Cup, obviously lost under Tuchel last season under some interesting circumstances. And um, want to probably rectify that, especially just after losing the damn Carabao Cup final. But anyways, uh, Dennis, overall, like, like we said, it we're, we're checking the box, you know, we're, we're doing the match review, although a hell of a lot happened, but, you know, we, we want to put something out there for the people. Yeah, you guys, I think we did an okay job of covering the match and, you know, tiptoeing around, you know, with eggshells around the, the real issue. But I'm, I'm looking forward to what Matt Law has to say to Tomorrow, guys, I'm going to be up early, early. I'm hoping that comes out before this one, to be honest. <laughs> but but um, yeah, no, like a pleasure. I'm, I'm always, always glad to be here, guys, as you know. And uh, anytime you need me back, please don't hesitate. I will be here. Believe me. No, no spoilers, but do not get up early for that one. It won't. <laughs> it won't be out first, but it will Fair be enough. out as soon as we can. Uh, obviously, Dan, thank you for not going on vacation and leaving me on my own. I, I appreciate having a two parent household for this podcast. Uh, always. And, uh, you know, I mean, credit to Nick, though. Nick has done uh, phenomenal work this season, uh, has done great work with the women's team's episode. Yeah, with, double uh, duty. Jesse and Abdullah. And, uh, you know, I, we, we wouldn't be uh, as great of a show without him. So uh, we'll, we'll learn time away. You know, he won't listen to the end of the podcast, no, though, so no. he won't get to hear that nice word we had for him after right. having <laughs> mean things said about him at the beginning. So, you know. Oh, and feel free to have me back with all three of you guys as well. <laughs> like I don't think we've done that yet, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, anytime. Fair, fair is fair uh, for Nick. I just know that when I leave, it's a different sentiment. But anyways, that's gonna wrap us up, Chelsea fans. Much, much more content coming at you. We promise. Again, want to take a tempered approach to everything, especially as sensitive as this. But we will be covering it as best we can. So stay tuned. Until next time, Chelsea fans. You know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.